The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth and recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. We're very glad that you're listening. We love hearing from you, and uh, thanks for your likes uh, for Spirit of Recovery. We're on Facebook, so we're getting some likes on there, and we like that. So thank you for joining us on Facebook. And also, we really appreciate you letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community and your other spiritual communities know about the Spirit of Recovery. I love broadcasting on the uh, topic of recovery on Unity FM, Unity Online Radio. And uh, it's just great to know that you are being touched and your life is being blessed by the guests that we have on here. You know, we always have guests who are practical people who are working with folks in recovery or who are in recovery themselves or who write for people in recovery or sometimes all three. And we know that uh, what my guests are sharing here is uh, really getting you thinking, opening you up to some new ideas, some new possibilities for what can happen for you as you work your recovery journey. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and uh, we have practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. Know that, of course, you can listen to us live. We love that. You can listen to us on your mobile device. That's fabulous. So you can listen anytime. Also, you can listen to our archives. If you go to unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery, we've got over a year's worth of archives and we've got lots of great programs on there so that you can listen to us at any time. in your home, at work, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that, I don't know, but anyway, or on your mobile device, so anyway, there's lots of ways you can hear the spirit of recovery. We are a very welcoming place, and we know that recovery is a large tent, and that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or you're a family member or a friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, 
whether or not they are in recovery, or if you're just curious and interested in the process of recovery and want to learn more about what it is, we welcome you and we welcome your participation. Again, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and a Recovery Counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And my walk is an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. And I'll tell you, my life just keeps getting better. And I am so grateful, so grateful that I was guided to walk through the doors of recovery. And so today, we have a very special guest. Today, my guest is Carol Ackley. And Carol is the executive director of River Ridge Treatment Center. That's in Minnesota. And Carol has created, implemented, and supervised outpatient substance abuse treatment for adults, residential and extended care services for women, and educational services for adolescents and and adults in the Twin Cities area. Carol has also worked with Stephanie Covington. Dr. Covington has been a pioneer and still is a pioneer in developing very effective treatment for women. And Carol is going to be talking with us about that today because Carol uh, actually a lot of times tests out the models that Dr. Covington is developing and uses them and uh, brings them into fruition in the treatment that Carol uh, creates and supervises there at River Ridge. Also, Carol blogs on women's treatment issues, and you can find that website at www.addictionpro.com, and that's addictionpro.com. And so you can see uh, what Carol has to say about women's recovery issues. So, Carol, thanks a lot for being here with us today. We're really glad you're here. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And... uh, So tell us a little bit, Carol, about um, the history of women in recovery. I mean, kind of in a way, the image that you get of the early uh, alcoholism movement, which is in some ways really how the recovery got started in a big way, in in a more formal way, I guess, back in the 1930s, you kind of have the idea that it was all men. I don't know. What was it like? Well, statistically, there were certainly way more men than women when um, actually Bill W. and Dr. Bob started to uh, help alcoholics. Uh, An interesting study, though, was the Jelnick study, uh, which was taken on by Grapevine Magazine, which was AA in print back in the 40s. They decided that they wanted to do some research on what were the symptoms of addiction and what were the symptoms of recovery. And so they sent out a survey to about a little over a 1,000 Grapevine subscribers, and they didn't get very many back, about 250 samples back, and of those, there were several that weren't workable for their research. So they ended up with um, about 180 samples, and they they calculated and uh, wrote down all the answers, and they determined that there was, in fact, a curve, a downward spiral as people's addiction took over their lives, 
and then an upward spiral as they began to get well. But they noticed in the surveys that about two-thirds of them had very similar responses, and the other third were similar to each other but different than the two-thirds. So for the purposes of the survey, they only used the two-thirds that were similar. And as it turns out, the one-third that they didn't use was the women that were responding. And in fact, the women's experiences were similar to each other, but they were very different than the men's. When they did that, did they realize it was women that they were excluding? Or they, just they did was... not know that at the time. Uh-huh. That was discovered afterwards. Huh. The interesting piece of that was that then most treatment modalities that were based on the Jelnik curve, which was really the first research study they had done, were based on the experiences of men. So that most treatment services were developed uh, based on the information that we got from men, which is also true in the medical field as well. Most research is done on on men, and women's bodies and women's life experiences are different than men's. So when we came into, you know, treatment services as we know them now, which started to develop in the 70s and 80s, they were all based on a model um, that worked for men, and women being the survivors that they often are, A lot of them made it work for them. But for a lot of women, um, they had a difficult time, and the women were labeled as difficult clients, (laughs) when in fact the problem was is that the interventions weren't appropriate for them or helpful for them. And so Dr. Covington began to study women's experiences, what happened to them when addiction started to take over their lives and what happened to them when they started to get well. And she started to create some services that were, that matched those experiences. And sure enough, women began to resonate with that, um, in a way that they, that they weren't able to when the services were developed for men, which, you know, in 2020 hindsight makes sense, mm-hmm. but at the time was very revolutionary. Mm-hmm. When did she start doing her work, Carol? She wrote her uh, seminal book, A Woman's Way Through the Twelve Steps, which was based on her interviews with hundreds of women across the country that she did in the late 80s and early 90s. And then she wrote her first uh, treatment curriculum for women, which was Helping Women Recover, was published in 1997. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really not all that long ago. No, no, only about uh, 15 15 years or so, which, you know, it's a good amount of time to start being able to recognize that when services are developed that speak to women's experiences, um, women recover. Mm. And most of that work is about how women can have healthy relationships, relationships with themselves, relationships with the people that are important to them, relationships with their higher powers uh, because women are relationally focused and that's what her curriculums deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some things that uh, she found out that when women are in active addiction, what are some ways that their lives, uh, qualities, 
deteriorates that might be different from how men's lives would deteriorate in active addiction? Um, For a lot of women um, that are in recovery from substance abuse, a lot of them have had some very difficult experiences in their lives. The high percentage of, of women who've been in abusive relationships as children and as adults. There's a lot of women who use substances to medicate the pain of those memories and go on to develop addictive disease. There are a lot of women who, because of the way our society socializes women, struggle with issues of self-esteem and struggle in making healthy connections and medicate the pain of those that loneliness, that disconnection with mood-altering chemicals. And then, of course, the addiction keeps them from having healthy relationships as it progresses. So the situation spirals downward quickly. Statistically, a lot of women who have substance abuse issues also have issues with depression, issues with anxiety, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder from the abusive situations that they've been in. And as we've learned over the years, if we're not looking at all of this in a holistic way, it's difficult for them to achieve long-term high-quality sobriety. Mm -hmm. So we need to look at the whole of her life and her experiences. And for a lot of women, the disconnection in their relationships as their primary relationship becomes the substance that they're addicted to, not other people, Um, the loneliness and the emptiness just grows in their lives. And because most women in our society are caretakers, either of children or parents or other family members, it's very difficult for them to take the time they need to go to treatment and get well. And so by the time they get help, their disease has progressed farther. Mm -hmm. And so often uh, it takes longer for them to go into remission and to get their life back on track which again has labeled them as more difficult clients, but the reality is we haven't had interventions that match the needs until very recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if you are try to put ways... a square peg in a round hole, right. there's going to be resistance. If you mm-hmm. try and put a square peg in a square hole, uh, things go a little easier, and that's been the way it's been with treatment for women for many years. Right. What are some of the ways that women's spirituality gets affected that might be or the same or might be different from men's when they're in active addiction? I don't know if this is necessarily different for women or men, but addiction robs you of your sense of self. It robs you of your hope, um, all of which are positive spiritual components. I think a lot of people feel like giving up. They feel so hopeless and helpless as the addiction takes over their brain and their body and their soul, and they become spiritually bankrupt. I think that's true for women as well as men. Um, In the recovery process, a lot of times as, as people start to heal physically, 
and emotionally the opportunity for spiritual awakenings and spiritual growth and rejuvenation becomes possible. Um, If those avenues are available for people and those connections are there too. I don't know that that's very different for women than men. Mm -hmm. Um, Women, um, a lot of what we help women look at in treatment is a real holistic view of spirituality too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of of people have had difficult experiences in some traditional, particularly dogmatic religious practices, and so they have to go through a healing process of that too and redefine what spirituality is going to mean to them in recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That, that makes a lot of sense. What's uh, something I know uh, in... The, you have uh, actually, in a, I think, tested out Dr. Covington's models in, in some ways. Could you talk a bit about that and how it is that you've implemented some of her ideas and, and as I said, I think even tested some of them out in a way, right? Yeah, we've piloted all of her programs and uh, work with all of them now, currently, have for 15 years now in our uh, women's treatment programs. When we first started looking at helping women recover, I, you know, was pretty much trained in a 12-step model and had used that for my own recovery and was a little bit leery of new things. (laughs) Uh, But as I began to read her work and start to work with the women in our treatment programs with it, an interesting thing started to happen to me while it was happening to the women in treatment, and that was that my own recovery program began to grow and blossom again. And I noticed that I was learning more about myself while I was helping the women in our programs learn about themselves, too. And I realized that, again, this program was developed by women, about women, and for women, and spoke to their to their experiences in addiction and recovery. And as I started to grow, I became a better counselor and therapist, and then my clients um, had richer experiences as well, and it was just a really positive feedback loop all along. And as we were doing this program in the late 90s, the women that were going through it were routinely saying, I wonder how my life would have been different if I had learned all this when I was a girl, when I was a teenager, instead of the grown woman that I am now. Hold that thought. We're about to go to break. We're going to come back to that. All right. When we come back. All right. Thank you so much, Carol. Stay with us. We're going to be right back. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. 
time a situation seems confusing or hopeless, most likely I am viewing it from a perspective of human limitation. Instead, I have the innate power to see any circumstance from a spiritual perspective by turning to God in prayer. If I am seeing only problems and not solutions, illness and not wholeness, lack and not abundance, I sit quietly in the silence and reestablish my oneness with God, affirming wisdom, wholeness, and abundance. I begin to see things differently, at one with infinite possibility. I scale the heights of human awareness and view the world as from above, expressing oneness with God in all that I think, say, and do. I allow my spirit to soar. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call in with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery@unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my guest is Carol Ackley. She's the executive director of the River Ridge Treatment Center in Minnesota and a pioneer in implementing women's recovery services. Carol blogs on women's treatment issues on the addiction professional website, addictionpro.com, and that's addictionpro.com. So you can go on there and see what Carol has to say about women's recovery issues. And our topic for today is new concepts for women's recovery and spirituality. We're having a great conversation with Carol, and before we get back to it, we're going to take just a moment for the Serenity Minute, a brief meditation. So I invite you to relax and join me in hearing this constructive idea. I trust my higher power's love for me. I trust my higher power's love for me. And so I hope that uh, that gave you just a moment to reflect and relax 
and accept that love that is the higher power's love for you. So we're now we're back with my guest, Carol Ackley. And before the break, Carol, you were telling us how when women are, are get into these gender-responsive treatment programs that really do uh, support the ways that women can recover, that a lot of them are amazed and they're saying things like, gosh, how would my life have been different if I'd had some of this information when I was a girl? Tell us some more about that. Dr. Dr. Covington was hearing that so much that she realized that she probably needed to write something for girls. And certainly girls in our society are getting mixed messages every minute of every day of what it means to be female. And certainly drugs and alcohol are readily available to most uh, teenagers today. And she wrote a program called Voices to help girls navigate the rough waters of adolescence and try and learn a little bit more about themselves and the world around them and what it means to be a healthy female sooner rather than later. And that program is delivered in school programs, in treatment programs, um, with girls that are in corrections, and it's really been helpful for them to figure out how to connect in healthy, non-chemically related relationships sooner rather than later um, in the hopes that they can come into adulthood without some of the long histories of problems and abuse and trauma and substance abuse that that the women were showing up in treatment with. And as she was doing all of that work, what became very apparent was that statistically a lot of the women and girls um, that were working with voices and helping women recover were reporting histories of trauma and abuse. And as we began to look at relapse for women, what we were seeing was that women who were doing well in treatment, they were engaged in treatment, they were invested in their sobriety, they were doing well in treatment, and they would complete treatment and relapse. And so Dr. Covington started to look at what what's going on that they can't sustain the recovery that they get in treatment. And what she was often finding was the triggers and the memories from painful experiences, traumatic experiences, were catching them off guard in their recovery and they didn't understand what was happening to them, that their responses, their overreactions to things that were happening to them in the here and now were in fact about things that had happened to them before. And the confusion and the pain and the fear around that were causing them to relapse. And so she started to study this traumatic response and wrote a curriculum called Beyond Trauma, which helps women understand that they're not crazy that their reactions today are about things that have happened to them in the past and that they can learn 
to be less reactive in the present, that they can learn to take care of themselves, that they can learn that these situations, particularly when they were children, were not their fault, that they're not alone. And all of this information over and over again over the years, I've seen women just breathe a sigh of relief knowing that they're not crazy, that this is a real thing that happens when people experience abuse in their relationships. And there's this happens with men, too, who are in abusive relationships, but the difference between women and men is that most grown men, uh, teenage men and adult men, if they're going to be hurt or abused, it's by someone who doesn't like them. If they're in combat, it's the enemy. If it's a man of color, it can be gangs or things that are happening on the street. It's someone saying, I hate you and I want to hurt you. And while that's not okay, it makes some sort of rational sense. Women, on the other hand, are most often being hurt and abused by someone they're in a relationship with someone they're saying, I love you too. And I love you and I want to hurt you is crazy making. Uh And so for women to understand that and start to heal from that is a very different experience than for men to heal from the abuses that they've suffered. And this is what this program offers them in recovery so that they can be less reactive in the present because of things that have happened to them in the past and not be so triggered to the point where their rational brain can't remember all of the tools they learned in treatment to not use. Right. Because when you're, get, when you're in enough pain, your rational brain is not steering your decisions. Your primal survival brain is, which says, get out of pain no matter what it takes. Mm-hmm. So and that's, that's the relapse what a lot again. of women relapse around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some of the the ways that uh, you help women to deal with the trauma? Um, what are some of the components of that treatment? The first thing we help them do is understand what trauma is, different kinds of experiences that can be traumatic, A lot of women who are in abusive relationships think that, you know, if you don't land in the hospital, it's not that bad. And there are forms of emotional abuse, financial abuse, um, mental abuse that are, in fact, traumatic as well. So first we help them understand what is trauma. Then we help them understand how does a body and a brain and a spirit Respond when you're hurt like that in relationships. How do we survive those things and how does it change our belief systems? And then we help teach them some non-chemical grounding and soothing techniques so that they can lower their anxiety in the moment, which can often come up very quickly and seemingly out of nowhere with a traumatic trigger. And we teach them how to self-soothe and calm themselves without having to resort to chemicals. 
Another therapy that's been very helpful is called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. It was developed by a therapist named Francine Shapiro. And she began to understand that when people experience an overwhelming event, it gets locked into memory in its original state. And if it doesn't get fully processed, people can be reactive to it for their whole life. Something that happened to you when you were five can come back in its original frightening uh force when you're 50. And if you don't understand that, it can, you can feel like you're crazy. And so EMDR helps finish processing these memories so that when they're triggered in the here and now, they aren't as powerful as they are as they were then. So you're, it sounds like you do a lot and of so things that restore the power of choice to women. Yes. Yep, and help them recognize that they can care for themselves in a healthy way as adult women, that they can learn to be gentler with themselves, that they can learn how to ask for what they need and where to go to ask for what they need, and that they deserve good things and healthy relationships. And all of that is also about positive spirituality, which becomes possible when the when the body and the brain start to heal. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you mentioned earlier that women may have felt wounded and gotten wounded in maybe some traditional religious traditions and so forth? What are some of the ways that uh, women create a relationship with a higher power that's, that works for them? I think we have to allow them to be very open into describing um, what their higher power is going to be and what it's going to not be and where do they feel safe and comforted and how do they experience that now that it's, you know, safe enough for them to have some of the feelings that they've been afraid to have. I think some women can restore some spirituality that they had before. I think some women need to start over. I think for some women, it's a new journey that they've never taken before. And so I think the most important thing is to be as open initially for them to define what it's going to mean for them, that there's no right and wrong. There's all good. Um, Some of the uh, things that AA teach about spirituality, I think, are really beautiful, that it's bigger than all of us, and yet it includes all of us. And for a lot of women whose lives get very restricted and narrow in our active addictions, this is a horizon that they never dared to dream about. Right, and so it's, it really opens up a lot of a lot of space for women to do that. Yep. I know I Dr. got to Covington attend a couple of to... years ago. Go ahead, go ahead. 
I know Dr. Covington likes to explain uh, addiction as a, a spiraling down where your choices and your limitations get tighter and tighter in your addiction and in with traumatic experiences too so that your life is so constricted some women aren't even comfortable leaving their own home. And in recovery, that spiral opens up. It doesn't mean that these things didn't happen to you, but your ability to cope with them widens and broadens. And that's what recovery is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was able to attend a couple of years ago, uh, as you know, a conference that you and River Ridge sponsored where you had Dr. Covington there. And one of the things that impressed me was how much of the, the work that we did as part of the conference, and I know was part of the of the curriculum for women, was hands-on things. It was, I don't, you know, we made things, we drew things, we talked to other women. As uh, talk, Tell us about that, how it's not this... Women's recovery isn't just talking, it's in the head, it's, it's about the body and moving and doing. Yep, very much so. A lot of experiential things. You know, the more that, that you can experience, the more that you can learn in a variety of, of ways, uh, the better your brain absorbs all that information. And some of us learn by reading and listening. Some of us are very creative artists. And if you give them a piece of paper and a crayon, um, some people really like to journal. Um, but women need access to all those different ways of expressing themselves. We've also learned through the study of um, trauma that the body stores um, traumatic memory in the form of anxiety and tension in the muscles. And if you can release some of that tension through various exercises and yogas, uh, you also heal from trauma in your body as well. And so recovery is really needs to be very holistic. And one of the experiences that I've had over the years working with women in these curriculums is the networking and the relationships that they develop with each other. You know, in a good, hard-working recovery group, the therapist is not doing very much at all. <laughs> she creates a self, a safe container, a safe place for the women to help each other heal. And that's, that's what a good recovery program is about. And we like to do that in lots of different ways. And artwork, I think, is a really important aspect of emotional communication. So is music, any of the arts. So any ways women can experience that. And girls as well. Uh, really helps them see things. Doing collages accesses a whole different part of your brain to think about things and talk about your story. So we like to do lots of different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So you've worked some, uh, obviously, with adolescent girls. Anything in particular that you notice that's helps them beyond what you've been talking about uh, that works with adult women? One of the things when we 
and we work with girls and we talk to girls and we listen to girls, one of the things that they tell us over and over again is what's really important to them with the adult females that are in their lives is their need for what they call authenticity, genuine, rigorous honesty in the adult females in their lives. What a lot of these girls say is they really get mixed messages, which is certainly true of the media and our society as a whole today. We're going to break right there. Hold that thought. We're going to be right back. All right. Thank you, Carol. And we'll come back and talk about the adolescent girls again. Listeners, stick with us. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back. Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. There is nothing more thrilling than feeling your direct connection with your source, your spirit. In those moments, you are soaring, knowing that you can be, do, or have anything you want. But what do you do when real life hits you straight on? Let's get real. This is practical spirituality for a busy, bustling world. Join us every Friday at noon Central Time for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real, where we explore leading-edge principles and break down the law of attraction so it works for you every day. When you are off the mountaintop, join us for this delicious exploration of attraction principles with your host, Ray Zander. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is New Concepts for Women's Recovery and Spirituality, and my guest is Carol Ackley, and Carol is the Executive Director of River Ridge Treatment Center in Minnesota, and she is a pioneer in implementing women's recovery services. She uh, has worked together with Dr. Stephanie Covington for 14 years and pilots a lot of Dr. Covington's work that is gender-responsive and um, trauma-informed for women. 
Carol also shares about women's treatment issues on the Addiction Professional website on that blog, addictionpro.com, and that's addictionpro.com. So you can get on there and see what Carol has to say about women's recovery. So, Carol, before the break, you were telling us about how adolescent girls in treatment really say they want authenticity from the adult women in their lives. So they get a lot of mixed messages, don't they? They do, and, you know, their role models um, are oftentimes conflicted themselves, and girls are really looking for some clear ideas about what it means to be female in our society, about what it means to have a healthy relationship, how to have relationships with each other. Girls can be pretty mean to each other unless we're teaching them how to be friends with each other instead of competitive enemies. The other thing that I think, you know, is really helpful for girls is teaching them about self-soothing and how can they learn how to calm themselves without using chemicals if they get anxious or nervous or they can't sleep. Um, how do they stand up for themselves in relationships that maybe aren't healthy? All of these things that we assume girls know how to do and they don't. And if they don't have healthy role models teaching them how to have healthy relationships, then we need to create those environments where they can learn how to have those in our society, which frankly is not not very user-friendly for teenage girls. Um, I think that they are dealing with stresses that I didn't even dream of as a teenager. And adolescence is difficult in any age, but I think it's gotten harder in our modern world, and I think we really need to be there for girls. Great. What's one exercise that is a self-soothing exercise or activity that you teach women or girls about how to calm down? There are several that we teach, but one of the most used one and the easiest one to learn is how to breathe deeply down into the bottom of your diaphragm, into your stomach, and to count the breaths as you're inhaling and exhaling. Um, And this exercise takes about, you know, it's very quick, 10, 15 seconds. And if you learn how to breathe deeply and count, you're coming out of the limbic system in your brain, which is where you're feeling the emotional distress, so to speak. And the act of counting moves it into the frontal cortex because you can't count, which is a, a you know a, more of a rational process. And so you get some immediate, in-the-moment relief from your anxiety or your emotional distress. Now, I'm not saying that the difficult situation goes away because you still have to figure out how you're going to deal with it, but at least you can calm yourself down very quickly in the moment. And the more you practice doing that, the more automatically it comes to you in a stressful situation. So we teach the women and the girls that. We start every session with it. We end every session with it. So they're practicing at least two times a day 
when they're here and repetition is what wires the brain. Anything you practice gets easier and stronger. Um, there are some other soothing techniques <laughs> excuse me, that we can teach about meditation, about um, visualization. There are different kinds of grounding techniques where you can focus on things that are in the room, things that you can feel, see, hear, touch right in the moment that can get you out of worrying and anxiousness. There's a lot of practical, simple, easy things that we can teach people. And if we keep practicing them, then when you start to feel some stress or anxiety, it automatically comes to you. And for a lot of people, that's why they use chemicals. And so this can replace that because certainly stress doesn't go away just because you get sober. And sometimes, actually, life gets more stressful when you first get sober. Mm -hmm. So having all of these techniques available is really helpful. The recovery life is a life of hope. And as you said, it doesn't mean it's magic and all it all gets poof, wonderful, but it is a life of, of hope. So what does recovery look like and feel like and how do you carry the message? I think the hope piece is really important and I hope that any of your listeners that may still be struggling um, hear that there is hope, that people can and do recover from this illness, which is a chronic illness and remains a fatal illness. We don't have a cure for addiction yet. We do know how to put it into remission for most people, but it's difficult to to be sober in a using world. It's an alternative lifestyle. And so we need to be there for each other and support each other. And I, I think one of the wonderful things that's been happening over the last few years is the development of recovery communities in all of our cities and different areas of the country where people get together and say, we're going to support each other in this hard work of, of an alternative lifestyle, unfortunately, of being sober in a using world. But that people can and do recover, that your life can get so much better than you can ever have imagined it, um, that your relationships can be satisfying and healthy, that you have a lot to give other people to in sharing your journey. And when you, if you've ever been to an AA or an NA meeting and you hear someone say they're a grateful recovering addict, the first time I heard that, I couldn't hardly believe it. It's like, grateful for what? Because <laughs> I didn't understand that when you learn to live with a chronic disease like addiction and keep it in remission, you learn how to take such better care of yourself than you would have had to if you didn't have to learn that that your priorities come into focus, you recognize where you want to spend your precious time and energy, and your relationships are more valuable, your experiences are meaningful, and all of that is the gift of recovery. And while abstinence is certainly the first step, it's only the very beginning. Recovery is a lifestyle um, with rich rewards, and I would hope it for anyone 
uh, who's still suffering from this disease. Right. What are some ways that people can carry the message of recovery, that hope and what you're talking about, that really it's a, a gift of a, a deeper life than a person might have ever dreamed of having? Yep. Well, I think that certainly our own recoveries speak for themselves. I think for parents who are raising children who, um, you know, may be genetically vulnerable uh, because the disease runs in their family, role modeling a sober lifestyle, learning how to take care of yourself, learning how to express your feelings, learning how to have healthy relationships, all counteracts that genetic vulnerability. I think um, being there for other people when, if and when someone comes to you and talks about the difficulties that they're having, all of that matters. Uh, But mostly it's the way we live our individual lives with integrity and honesty. I think that that speaks loudly everywhere and anywhere we go. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I I liked what you were saying there about sobriety or recovery really is an alternative lifestyle in a using world. I never thought of it like that, but that's a fact. It is. Mm-hmm. Which makes it difficult, but it also makes it really rewarding. When you mm-hmm. have to fight for what you want, there's value there to that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So what do you see as the future for uh, women's recovery in particular? What do you th- where do you think it's heading? Well, I think we'll continue to see a more holistic approach to recovery. Addiction affects the mind, body, and soul. And so recovery needs to address all of those as well. I think we will begin to see um, trauma-informed treatment services becoming the norm. That when you look statistically at how many people in recovery have had traumatic experiences, um, we need to be able to help people understand that across the board. I mean, really anyone who works in any kind of human services field needs to become trauma-informed. So I think we'll see a lot more of that. I think we will see more brain research that helps us understand how the brain is impacted um, by substance abuse and addiction as well as traumatic experience also affects brain development in children. I think there's going to be a lot more research with that. I think there may be some more medications that help people with cravings, that help people taper down off of um, addictive chemicals in a safer, more productive way. So I think there's a lot of hope for the future. I'm hoping to see more cross-training more understanding of co-occurring disorders and um, substance abuse and mental health and people with chronic pain issues all working together, all understanding this from the client's point of view um, in a much more holistic, person-friendly sort of approach. Carol, thank you so much uh, for what you shared. We're at the end of our time here. 
you have given us a lot of insight into women's recovery, a lot of insight into what really helps women and, and probably men as well, just really feeling that sense of humanity and that love and, and the ability to have self-dignity and a relationship with the power that's of which you're a part but greater than yourself. So thank you so much for what you're doing and thanks for being with us today. You're very welcome. And thank you all for listening. We're glad you're here. And next week, my guest is going to be Jerry Moe. It's Children of Alcoholics Week. And Jerry Moe has done lots of work for years with the Children of Alcoholics in Recovery. And the topic's going to be for the love of children. So join us next week on Valentine's Day with Jerry Moe. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the Oneness Blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard shares this from his book, Good Questions. We are here to learn, grow, experience, savor, exalt, cherish, create, and to use our connection with that mind to make safe decisions. We are here to share, to be fruitful, and to multiply the good over and over again. Centering on the divine within, we become still and realize that whatever happens, we are still one with God. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Good parenting doesn't happen by default. It's intentional. It's a decision about who you'll be and what you'll do in your family life. Join your hosts, Reverends Jennifer and Ogan Holder, each week for Unity Family Matters as they guide you on a spiritual journey, creating conscious family life. Experience the light side of parenting 
realizing your divine identity while raising your children to know they are the light of God. Gain insights based on unity principles. Talk with today's prominent experts in spiritual parenting and address your questions and comments from spiritual perspectives. Unity Family Matters. Every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs> 